Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. Uh, I'm delighted to say we have not one, but two Sahotas. We have Michael uh, Sahota and Audrey Tara Sahota. Um, a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Now, just before we came on air, uh, my, my intent was that we would spend some time uh, looking at your, your latest book, Leading Beyond Change, A Practical Guide to Evolving Business Agility. Uh, but we said, why limit ourselves? Uh, why limit ourselves to just this topic? Um, let's broaden the frame uh, to everything. So I'm now very excited to have a, a completely open exploration of, of the world of the Sahotas. Uh, and, and yeah, let's see where it, where it gets to. Um, before we kick off, for people who are not familiar with you, Michael is returning guest uh, from the show, uh, but Audrey, you're, you're the first, first time for you on the show. Um, could, you, could you give our audience a little bit of, of background for each of you? Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So this is a tough one. So I would say, uh, you know, genius scientist, software developer, manager in organizations, trainer and consultant realizes he's a complete asshole and that he needs to change who he is in order to achieve the level of success and both personally, professionally, um, to to create the outcomes that he wants. And, and, then, and then through that process of, of healing, growth, transformation, I uh, met Audrey and realized we have the same, same life purpose. I'll let Audrey speak to that in a moment. But really just deepening as an engineer and scientist into you know, what some people call metaphysics, um, this deeper understanding, what is the ego? How do we actually function? What are the real laws of human dynamics to... And as a fruit of this, you know, we wrote, wrote in one book uh, on emotional science, another book on leading beyond change, which is, you know, really as human beings, we've been lied to about our emotional systems works. We, and we don't know the truth of, of who we are as human beings and how we function. So really, we've created this extraordinary, I guess, path and trail of knowledge and learning. That's really a, an epiphenomenon of my desire to heal myself and understand how to function the world. Okay. That's very good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the exact the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we always describe each other as like the Big Bang Theory and I'm Penny. <laughs> so um, I think I'm an accidental student of consciousness. Like... Um, I've been uh, meditating since I was very young, although I didn't even know what it was. And uh, it led me on a very strange journey in life because I kind of didn't fit in anywhere. And um, trying to go the corporate route and, and trying, to, trying to fit in, uh, I realized that um, accidentally I became a massage therapist to pay for uh, going to school. And I really just, I just loved that field and I loved everything about the body. I studied colon hydrotherapy and raw foods and nutrition and personal training. So I kind of went that route and in that, in that space, um, I, I started to realize that there were, um, things beyond, uh, the physical aspects of the body the energy field, uh, that were, um, popping up in my awareness. Like I was just having spontaneous experiences. And so I, I went to school. It, I, 
actually went to school for eight years. I'm formally trained as an energetic healer. I um, worked on a medical team for five years in Chicago um, at a with a woman named uh, Dr. Marilyn Mitchell in woman care. And it was just a phenomenal experience for me. And I think the whole journey for me, even when I was in training to be an energetic healer, it was about how thoughts, perceptions, belief systems, conditioning actually create the disease in your body. And so it was a deep exploration into the psychology of disease. And for me, it became this um, passion for self-healing. Because if you're not a clear channel, you know, what's going to come through you is going to be uh, distorted and uh, transmitted or transmuted through your own filter. So um, while I was very successful at being a healer, um, I realized that it wasn't enough, that there was something missing. Like people would come to me. It was just a strange phenomenon. People come to me with cancer. and I would give them a healing and, you know, I'm kind of, I don't really think about things and I gave them a healing. I did what I needed to do and they would leave and not come back. And uh, one woman in particular, for an example, came back like a year later and, uh, and she's like, you know, I was like, Oh, hi, what's going on? And she's like, well, the last time I saw you, I didn't come back because the cancer was gone. And I was like, Oh, like not even calling me, not even asking questions or anything. Um, the doctors couldn't really figure out. They thought they misdiagnosed her, which was, you know, probably usually typical. And then she did her life and then the cancer came back and this happened over and over again. And so I was, you know, really on this quest of what is going on. And I realized that there's that there's more to just this energy work. And um, it led me on a really strange journey to India, where I started to study consciousness and started to really understand the technology to shift our perceptions, our beliefs, our conditioning. It takes more than just uh, affirmations and it takes more than um, just simple or not even simple. I was like an advanced energetic healer. Um, it, it took more than that. So, um, and that's where I met Michael. And what I started to believe was that, the, you know, what would be the fastest way to heal humanity? Like, I don't want one by one. I want, we, I mean, there's 8 billion people on the planet. How are we going to do this? So I thought if we went into an organization and we can shift the consciousness of the leadership that will actually change the environment of the whole entire organization. The people working in the organizations would be healthier, happier. Um, you know, consciousness has to do with energetic frequencies. So everybody would be vibrating at a very high vibrational frequency. The products and services that these organizations put out into the world will also carry the same frequency. So what's happening now in an organization is it's a really toxic environment. So if you think about if you wake up in the morning and you are in a bad mood and then you make breakfast for yourself, for your partner, for your family, that mood, you know, which is an energetic vibration is carried into every person in your environment. It goes into the food that you eat. 
So now your kids, your partner, you know, even the dog, like our, you know, our dogs represent what's going on with us, our pets. So that goes into everything in the environment, the people, um, all the surroundings. So if you think about that with an organization, that's what your organization is delivering. Your organization is delivering whatever toxic environment um, that 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 people are working in. And so that was my that was my thing. I, I just wanted it to um, find the fastest way to heal humanity. And I thought going into an organization, shifting the consciousness, because consciousness comes first. You can't change how you do anything, your behavior, mm. structures, processes, until you shift your consciousness. And I think that's why we're so um, passionate about what we call evolutionary leadership, which we did not invent that word. Um, I kind of, that's a longer story, but <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. So that's why we're we're very passionate about evolutionary leadership. It's how we show up. How what what are we vibrating at? How are we reacting? How, what is our behavior? What is that impact into the system? And then from there we can begin to change how we how we work together. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Good. So let's start with consciousness. I'm, weird. No, I, I'm loving this. <laughs> um, so to give, so so people, you know, may may have a reaction to that word, right? You know, what do we mean consciousness? What's all this? So how would you kind of break down what we mean by consciousness, and then maybe each of you could illustrate how your consciousness has shifted through the processes you've been through as a starting place. Pat. I will give a very physio physiology based example that everyone can relate to. Your level of consciousness is directly connected with the level of activation of, of your sympathetic nervous system. Yeah, our, our, our nervous system has two parts, parasympathetic, mm -hmm. sympathetic. Sympathetic is the part that causes us to take action in the world. Sympathetic is the part that goes into fight or flight. We have all grown up in a society where our sympathetic nervous system is on overdrive. It is on radical overdrive. We've never really experienced levels of quiet in our sympathetic nervous system. The best we might ever experience if we go on a you know, 10-day Vipassana retreat or go on a really, really deep vacation and do nothing. That's the most relaxed we've ever been. And our nervous system, because it's been wound up over our whole life since birth, is still not going to a neutral reset position. So what, what does that mean? When we're in fight or flight, which is everybody all day, all over the world and all of our society, we're just used to it. We're so deeply embedded that we can't even see it. You know, we call it stress, the chronic fatigue, depression. There are all these things that come out of this high level of stress. And what, what happens and you say consciousness, how can I, I'm not even conscious of my own state of functioning. We are so unconscious of what's actually happening in our bodies day to day, moment to moment. When we start to become caught, conscious of what's happening and release all this tension, all this, these distortions that are in our being, then we can become still and connect not just you know, to the internet, the internet of you know, tapping into the, the, the unified field of information that we all have access to that's a built-in human function and actually access our deepest levels of intelligence. And we can't do that. 
Like there are moments we try to create it through workshops and this and that and, you know, play and blah, 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 blah. But really a, a, a reset to a, sh- a shift of consciousness requires a reset of our, our nervous system. So we're in a state of peace. And there are all these people who want change in the world and we could have diversity and inclusion and they're so angry about it. And it's like, well, how can you create peace in the world? Which is what inclusion is when you're angry. So most people are operating from very low levels of consciousness. We don't know how our emotions work. We're out of touch with their bodies. We're not like, you know how often people check their phones? Yeah. Right? What if people check their inner state of functioning? As frequently as they check their phones, they'd have a radical shift in how they function. That's what being conscious means, to be aware, Aware. conscious, with knowledge. That's the Latin root. When you're with the knowledge of what is happening, then you have power over yourself. You have power of creating your reality. And most of us are not at that place of power. We've been duped into believing we deserve eternal punishment. And that's probably the core issue that's going on. And we have, and, and all it is, is a choice. But do we make those choices every day, every moment? And it's so hard because there's also this, there's kind of this addictive quality and there's this uh, subconscious kind of, you know, stuff that comes out, behaviors, thoughts, perceptions that we we're not, we're, we're so unaware. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so it's a le- Wait, so let's, do, let's do an exercise. Of awareness. <laughs> let's Very do good. an exercise. Let's do an exercise right now for everyone listening oh, and sure. all of us. Just take a moment to stop. And just notice what it feels like in your body right now. You know, you can just do a scan from the top of your body all the way down. And just notice are there areas where there's tension? There's emotions? Are there any thoughts coming up? And just notice that's our physiological state. We're not paying attention to it right now. But it's actually telling us something. It's telling us places where we're tight and contracted and not ready to just flow with life. Right. I'm noticing I've got some stiffness in my <laughs> shoulder right now, and I'm buzzing a little mm-hmm. bit because I've I've had three coffees today. Um, yeah, and this 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 makes I resonate with a lot of what you're saying, and I see a lot of my personal growth story. If I story, if I look at it in those terms, has been about my ability to tap into my emotions, to tap into my physiological to state to get a sense of where I'm at with my thoughts. And yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. But I'd, I'd really be interested from each of you to just share a little bit then about your own journey with consciousness, like wh- where you started when you first became kind of familiar with this idea, what you did to, to shift your consciousness, just to, just to kind of illustrate it. Uh, yeah. Well, I th- I think it's fair to say it's just an ongoing journey. Mm. I don't think that there was I mean for me um I could I I was very conscious. I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but I've had moments of great awareness even when I was 3 months old. So oh, I can wow. I've gone back and told my parents and they're like, "No, no, no, you couldn't have you you couldn't have been aware of that." And then I would describe what happened and what the room looked like and they're like, Oh, so, so I think, I think we all have moments of profound awareness of what's going on in our environment, 
what our thoughts are doing, uh, what our bodies feel like, and we go in and out. And I think that that's, that's the journey. Um, you want to say more? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm the opposite. So Audrey, a born mystic, um, I I'm the opposite direction of, of definitely the muggle category of like, you know, what is this stuff? My father had two PhDs. So like anything that remotely connected with like anything beyond what I can physical touch 3d was like, uh, uh, you know, that's like crazy talk. You know, crazy people, only crazy people believe those kinds. That, that's and literally you did a part of a PhD in artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. I did. So that's the big bang theory. <laughs> yeah. Thing going right. On. All right. So <laughs> I haven't watched big right. bang theory, but yeah. <laughs> oh, it's right. so good. Well, I, I watched it as an educational show to understand how dysfunctional I am and what kind of things I do. So, but anyway, anyway, so let me, let me, let me, um, let me, let me come back to the main topic. So, um, so I've approached everything like a scientist and engineer. And what happens with science, because about 500 years ago, there was a loss of any connection with um, investigation internally, and it all became, it has to be external, it has to be validated. And now, you know, fast forward to quantum physics, where it says, look, you know what, there, yes, there's a 3D physical world, but when you look at the inside, an atom inside, inside, there's nothing there. It's just empty space. This world is an illusion. That's what quantum physics says. And we actually look into quantum physics and fully integrate it. We say, wait a second. Everything that I'm looking at is real. I'm in this simulation. I'm in the matrix. And it's all a creation. And I'm actually creating it. That's what quantum physics tells us at the deepest levels. And so, you know, really my exploration was, well, I don't need to believe anybody else. I can just look at my own inner direct experience and run experiments and find out what reality is. It's a very simple thing. What we do as a broken emotional scientist is don't believe us what your emotions are. Run these experiments to discover for yourself what your emotional system is and how it functions. And then from there, orient with what to do with it. So it's very much a, a scientific, for me, exploration. And also the thing is, I, I came to this realization that I can't figure this out myself. So I've been to teachers all over the world. I've gone to India. I've studied with um, various different, you know, spiritual teachers here in the West and other, other parts and to take, well, what does everyone have for their piece of the puzzle? And what's unique about me is I'm a systems creator. I'm a simplifier. So our book leading beyond change is this simplified version of how to create a shift in leadership culture to create a high performance organization in a way that's people centric and builds on psychological safety and encouraging people to show up more responsible at every single moment so that we stop causing damage, right? So that's what that book is. It's a brilliant synthesis of all that. So there's a whole other body book, which we haven't published anywhere, which is how to take responsibility for our incarnation as a human being to understand what it is we are, how we are, and how we function. So that's really this kind of side effect, you know, this whole body of knowledge um, about who we are as human beings. That's a side effect of me just trying to figure out how do I function and, and how does my own physiology and the nervous system and awareness actually function? Right. Because being a mystic, doing meditation, doing yoga, eating the right foods, all these things do not give you that, that information. It doesn't, it doesn't really put you in the position of the actual knowledge and wisdom about how you are creating your reality. And 
I mean, we even started this conversation this morning about like what's going on and we're just like, oh, we're in it. Like we're, we're constantly in, in this state of just really, really deep awareness. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and I said, you know, 20 years ago, if I looked at my journals 20 years ago, which I, I burned (laughs) because I was still working on the same stuff. So there's this, there's a repetitive pattern that begins to happen where you start to understand that there's this, this layer of, of blockage that's not allowing us to show up. That's not allowing us to be in the truth of who we are, which is, you know, an unconditionally loving human being that's nurturing and caring for each other. Like that's our nature. And then there's all this stuff in the way that, that, that blocks that from, from taking place because moment to moment, all of a sudden in relationship, which we use relationship for waking up, for healing and and growth and evolution, that, that moment to moment is when the, that trigger is going to happen. Something, somebody is going to do something. You're going to experience something in your environment. And it's going to react to that egoic consciousness that is actually running the show. And that egoic consciousness, you know, I always say the word believe has the word lie right in the middle of it. That should be your first clue that whatever you believe is most likely a lie. And it it could be positive and negative. So it's kind of like this mind. I want to say the word, the F word, but it is, it's a mind what does Mark put a mind truck? <laughs> mind fuck no. is fine. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a mind fuck, and 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 then to be able to like sit in that position of taking full. Can you take full one hundred responsibility for everything that's happening in your life? Like you've created everything, and it's like whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no. Take a step back. Can you take responsibility for your incarnation? Can you take responsibility for your reactions? Can you take responsibility for your emotional state? Can you take responsibility for the negative thoughts that you're projecting out into the world? I mean, this is really, really, I mean, if we want to have a, a different world, you know, we all want to have a different world. We all want this world to be better, more peaceful, et cetera, more prosperous, et cetera, et cetera. We want these social ills gone. Well, how can that happen? There, there's only going to be peace in the external world when there's peace in the internal world, you know, we can't change anyone else, but we can, the only thing we have control over is ourselves. And the only path to actually take is to actually step into total responsibility, take responsibility for ourselves. I'm taking responsibility for what we create. That's a, that's a bigger step, but, but starting with what, <laughs> what's actually going on in our nervous system or physiology. And, you know, the paradox here is we didn't choose it, right? We ended up this way because of, our life path and the conditioning that happened to us starting from a very young age. But are we going to take responsibility for it now? That's mm. why it's about now, not about the past. It's, yeah. And it's really hard to do that because I think that, that um, you know, Eastern philosophy has actually kind of all have this. It, it has it all figured out. Um, you could even say uh, most religions are are speaking to the same thing, and um, it, but what what's happening is, you know, to be a compassionate leader or to show up in a relationship with uh, compassion and understanding to have no judgment, it's really difficult just to to 
be that. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I think that that's where the, the deeper issues lie is because it's like, well, everybody's telling you to be nice to each other. But the truth is, is, is that there's all this stuff that's kind of running the show automatically that we can't even control. So, um, you know, I always said there's a there's kind of a, a an understanding on the planet due to um, religion that says we were born from original sin. Yeah. Well. Hello, <laughs> where do we go from there? Like if you're born from sin as a, as a human race, then what, what do we do? Like, where do you go? And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of mental illness. There's a lot of psychosis going on on the planet. There's a lot of just angst and anxiety and we're in survival mode all of the time. So, and just to take it back to you personally, like, how did you wake up this morning? What is your alarm clock like? Do you wake up with an alarm clock? Is it a nice, is it a song or is it bomb, bomb? You know, like what, how are you going to start your day? Do you wake up in the morning and your thoughts are going or, you know, are you, you know, just in a peaceful state and just clearing your mind and breathing for a few moments before your, your head gets off the pillow? Are you grateful for the pillow that you woke up on? These are like simple little things, but it becomes very difficult in the world that we live in to maintain a, a, a higher state of consciousness where our vibrational frequency, that's, you know, our body's electromagnetic field is vibrating really high and we're in a peaceful, harmonious state 24 seven. And it, it's very, very difficult and it's only a choice. Right. That's it. It's only a choice. Am I going to choose to be angry and frustrated and demotivated or am I going to choose to just have my heart open and non-judgmental and, and, you know, be filled with unconditional love. And I think that those concepts are very hard to understand. So the best thing, what we've learned is the best thing is to notice that you're not that first. Right. Yeah. 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 That resonates with me because I, I tell myself, <laughs> I have a belief that, mm -hmm. that I, Sometimes I don't have a choice. I get overwhelmed by my trigger. I just like act, right? And I didn't, it really mm -hmm. happened so quick. I didn't engage any conscious choice. But I do have a choice whether to reflect afterwards on why I was triggered, what was the pain in me that caused that reaction and so on. Um, mm -hmm. So, so I, I, would, I would tend to agree you always have a choice. It's just how close to the event is that choice. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if that, um, does that or, make or, sense? Yeah, no, no, no. So it's true. So I think I think the, the the we always have a choice at each moment is a deeper truth, but we may not have access to that as part of our reality, right? Because right? if the, yeah, if the no, moment for choice goes yeah. by in a split second, and we've been habituated for our whole life not to take that choice, not to be aware in that moment, then we do not have access to it. It's there, but we don't have access to it. Yeah, yeah, and I think true. that's the part where we start to say, "Wait a second." It, am I really at choice about what am I creating? 
right? And otherwise, if mm. we say we're not responsible, who's responsible? Yeah. Like, like what? Like, there's somebody else running my life that's responsible for this stuff? Okay. Like, I mean, I mean, you can go with that belief state, but if you come to the place of, wait, I'm responsible for my incarnation. Mm. I'm responsible. I made that choice and I missed my chance to make a different choice. Let me just slow down and look at what is going on with my physiology. What is going on with my beliefs? What is going on with my emotional state? Right. And, or, yeah. or wait a second, or I, I'm out of control in my life. I need to take control. Like I, I haven't learned the tools I need to lead the kind of life I want. Cause I don't want to show up like that. Mm. Yeah. And, and having it, the, the, you've got me thinking about the, having a choice over our incarnation that, that to me feels like a big one. Like I, I'm pretty comfortable with I've got a choice over my, you know, my emotional state. I've got a choice over whether I choose to work on myself and, and et cetera, et cetera. But to choose to, to have that thought that I chose to be incarnated into this family, into this, you know, moment in societal development, into this, you know, context that I chose all that. Is yeah, a, that's, that's yeah. a bigger choice. So ultimately, that's true, but we don't recommend people deal with that unless they're ready to deal with it. The the the, the yeah. more the better starting place is: Am I ready to take response? Let's imagine you know we're playing Mario Kart, and we can play Mario or Bowser or Princess or Peach or you know, and, and so it's like we have that avatar now. We're in that car, you know. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm Mario driving in my little car, right? <laughs> like like that's my avatar that I'm stuck with. Yeah. Whether I chose it or not is irrelevant, right? But I'm in it now. Mm-hmm. How do I want to live my life knowing that I'm in this Mario Kart? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or the yeah. Bowser car, right? Yeah. Or the princess car. Like we are in a car. We are in an incarnated body with certain attributes and characteristics. Yeah. What do we want to do with that situation? Are we ready to admit what the situation is? Yeah. Are we ready to take responsibility and live to the fullest of what, what we have to work with? And take responsibility for it. That's the choice. Yeah, yeah. And and Michael, you you described uh, you know the, leaving the PhD early. Did was there a moment for you where you you sort of became aware that you had that choice and then decided to take that choice? Yeah. So so my I mean so it's been a journey of. Well, uh, I'd share say, the story. Uh, well, so there, there are a couple. I mean, I was studying, I was studying like artificial intelligence. So there's stuff like we're studying computer vision, and and you know, I was reading this, you know, Helmholtz talking about how all vision is just hallucinated, and I'm starting to like experience that in my life, right? Or okay. I'm reading the man who mistook his wife for a hat, yeah, and realizing the mind, the mind is designed to confabulate. Your mind will just tell a story based on whatever the inputs are, regardless of whether it makes any sense, it will have no awareness of whether it makes any sense or not. Do you want to talk about the awakening? And, oh yeah. And then, because and then I, and then, and then, and then there was a moment where I wasn't sleeping for a couple of weeks and I was having relationship problems and I woke up and my arm was flailing around on its own. I was having a focal seizure. And according to Western medical diagnosis and treatment, I was having a focal seizure. There was a minor lesion in my brain. It was congenital. It was decided over a period of years and I was put on anti-seizure medication and antidepressants. And, and that was the last year of my life. But what was really going on was the spiritual awakening where I was, had this realization that all this fabric of reality was not what I thought it was. 
and I didn't have support or ability to deal with it or anything. The education. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's what that, and, and you know, that was in my, in the nineties, fast forward to now, in you know, the 2020s, we're still in the same way world where mm. if people have a spiritual awakening and they think they're God or they realize they're one with the universe or they realize that all the constructs of society don't make any sense, they, they will get locked up in a mental institution and medicated. Mm-hmm. So we're in, a, we're in a very scary, scary world that is actually designed to prevent people from realizing the truth of who they are and what's actually happening in reality. Right. So how yep. does this relate to organizational change? Well, we could definitely get, well, we could get, I'm sure we could get, I'm well, sure life, we could get. Life, the universe and everything. Yeah. yeah. But, but what I'm really intrigued with, so but was there a moment in that? So, okay. So first of all, it was diagnosed as this, uh, this focal seizure and there's a lesion on the brain, et cetera. What moment did you start questioning? Maybe these guys have got it wrong. Maybe, maybe this is something else. Oh, I didn't. I, I utterly figured that out 15 years later or 20 years uh, later. When okay. he met me. No, no. So I, 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 think- I was like, explain what happened to you again. And yeah. I, I mean, I worked at a place called Alternative to Meds where there were uh, people that were on uh, prescribed medication to the point where they were addicted to it or it was drastically changing how they lived, meaning they couldn't form a full sentence because they were on so much medication medication prescribed by the doctors. I started asking, how did you get here? How did you get here? And one by one, the story was all the same. They had some sort of experience where their uh, perception opened up to a greater reality. They thought they were God and they were running around in the streets or, um, you know, they became one with everything, but their whole entire, everything changed for them their consciousness shifted and their families and the society in general didn't understand what was going on. They were put on medication or they were just had massive amounts of anxiety because they were in so much fear. Like our, our bodies are very sensitive. We're sensitive human beings and, and the world around us is pretty scary. So even for, you know, uh, anxiety, you put on medication immediately. And once you're on that medication, you cannot get off of it. And, you know, it's it, medically, you need to go to a doctor and be weaned off of the medication. Well, what happens is that doesn't happen. And you're continually prescribed more and more things because nothing is working. And then you wind up being uh, addicted you know, phys- physiologically addicted, psychologically addicted to these drugs. And then you have to go into some, some, tor- some sort of rehab um, uh, program. But the thing is, is that those aren't addressing some of the real issues that are going on with the, you know, I mean, it's a longer story. So mm-hmm. That much time. <laughs> yeah. So, so just to answer, like the, probably the one of the biggest moments was um, where I was reading Brene Brown's first book. I thought it was me, but but it wasn't, and and so on. And this is one line of like, well, you can only be kind to others to the extent that you be kind to yourself, right? And I thought, oh, well, I'm like, I'm I'm like just brutal with myself, like my internal critics, like just off the charts. And so I thought, oh, that's how I am as a father. That's how I am with the clients I work with. That's how I am as a partner. And I decided that that's not how I want to show up in my life. And I created this 
I was reading, uh, you know, Jane McGonigal's How Game Video Games Can Change the World. So I created this game for myself called the uh, Epic Kindness Quest, where I was going <laughs> on an epic ki- kindness quest. And so I, so I started doing anything, running any experiment I could to try to shift the needle on self-kindness. And one of those um, started me joining this meditation group, which eventually led me to going on a trip to India, which, you know, blah, 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 which I had to overcome so much conditioning and beliefs and so much to, to do that. So that was really the moment is when really it's the wake up moment when we realized, yeah, I don't want to keep on living my life this way. Mm. Right. Right. And that, that, that's it. And once that desire is there and it's a real genuine desire, then, then the universe will, will open up and then unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that as a, as a pattern with these people who, who do shift their consciousnesses. It starts with some moment where they start looking in, right? That they, they start with you as perhaps to look in, in terms of your, your level of your self-kindness, but that, that seems to be a pattern to me. So the technology to shift consciousness is awareness. That's why every mm. single teaching, you know, um, mindfulness, Eckhart Tolle, there's all these other uh, teachings out there that all say, have awareness, have awareness, have awareness, but they don't actually <laughs> tell you why, like what is the technology behind it? So the technology is that the awareness itself begins to break down the behavior pattern. And I'm just going to stop here and because Joseph is in my head. We are not psychologists. <laughs> we are not psychiatrists. We are just students of consciousness. So it's a very different thing. So anybody here that's listening to us, just let, you know, we're not medical professionals. We're not <laughs> giving Joseph. medical guidance. We're not giving. <laughs> oh, Joseph Palrine. He's yeah. a, a colleague we know. Love okay. him. Um, yeah. So um, and he's, he's speaking a lot about psychological safety right now from a perspective of being a psychiatrist. So, um, so what was I saying? You were saying it's about, this is about, the technology is about awareness. <laughs> awareness, oh, yeah. so, yes. so, like, so let's take yeah. you for example, our book, Leading Beyond Change. It has 40 patterns that talk about, hey, this is how you show up in a traditional way, traditional leader, traditional organization. <clears throat> and this is how you show up in an evolutionary way in a progressive way, in a way that treats people well, treats people with respect, creates engagement and so on. And so by taking people through pattern after pattern, people get it. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, this is the awareness part. I am operating this traditional way and I am causing damage. And wow, mm. this is not helping me be successful. And that's part of the technology to shift consciousness is that not just the awareness, but the awareness of the consequence, the impact and the consequence that you're having, which is really tough. I heard somebody call it the denial effect. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's actually my current self-practice is looking at where am I practicing self-deception? Where am I choosing to ignore and not pay attention to a disturbing thought, a contraction in my body, um, a drop in my vibrational field and just kind of carry on and manage through. And that's, you know, I mean, that started that a couple of days ago. It's been a very, very deep, profound practice. Right. Right. And so- and so the, the technologies here, in the, in the, well, certainly in the way you've laid it out in, in the book, is, is to offer people, I suppose, these invitations to become aware. Yes. Because of, of that's who they're the being and the consequence of that, right? But it, to some yes. extent, it's still external. It starts there, right? Presumably. But then the next invitation is to start to go inside. Am I right? 
Well, we want to start people with the easy stuff, right? If yeah. you start to see, I mean, it's much easier to say, oh, I'm, I can see where I'm causing damage in the external world. I'm getting in my own way. If I want to be successful, I need to do something different. That's a really great starting place because we can actually give people substantial benefits without changing who they are or do, doing deep introspection or the hard, the, you know, the hard work that ultimately is required to create a shift. It's helpful to give people an easy on-road where they mm. can start to take small steps and see the wins and experience those in their lives as a way. And this is what we say is all this stuff, you can measure whether it's working in your life, right? If it's not working, if you're not seeing the benefits, if you're not feeling more peaceful, if you don't have better relationships, if you're not more successful, then, um, then it's not working. You know, earlier um, I said, we've been duped into believing that we deserve eternal punishment. And um, I was in a course studying uh, the, Karma, the Buddhist karmic wheel of life. And I'm, I'm not a Buddhist or anything, so I don't really um, fully understand all of it. Um, but there was on this wheel of incarnation, there was a, a point where you're in a hell state. And I, I think that we can kind of say state. And my teacher said, this is where I got it from. We've been duped into believing we deserve eternal punishment. And that one sentence really struck me. And I became acutely aware of my own internal critic and my own lack of self-love and understanding it's not the truth of who we are. Mm -hmm. So if we start which is really, really difficult. If we start with this um, inherent belief that human beings are good, like if we just come from that place first, that means that you personally, you're a good person. Your intentions, all of our intentions are to be kind to ourselves, kind to others. Um, you know, it can, it goes even deeper there, but we all really, truly want to be connected. We want peace and harmony within ourselves, within our environment, with the people that we interact with. And if we, if we come from that intention, then things can, can be a lot easier. I think, I think it's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then how do we, so if we become aware, if we become aware that we don't have that view about ourselves, if, you know, if our internal view is I'm a bad person or I'm a guilty person or I'm deserving of punishment, which of course implies I'm bad in some way. What mm-hmm. you said earlier that this isn't about affirmations, like where do people start then once they become aware that their internal dialogue is, is, is something that they could change? Yeah. So, so, so that's a great question. So there's something I call the triangle theory of life, which is that we all were born. I mean, maybe depends on which level you want to go to, but let's say we're born to completely clear. As we grow in our life, we get a whole bunch of stuff we can't deal with. Right. And I I call them triangles because every time this thing we can't deal with in our nervous system, there's a, there's a triangle, but part of one point is the belief. The second point, which leads into our actions, 
The second point is our, our physical body and, and physical sensation and emotion. And the third part is the energy, like holding the energetic vibration of that experience. So there's some traumatic experience that happens. Someone takes a toy away. We can't process that emotional situation. It gets stuck in our body as a belief, as this triangle, this little red triangle. And that happens again and again and again. And in our society, the way it's structured, the way our parents raised us, they're just propagating their triangles that they got from their parents down to us. And society's projecting all these triangles in us. So we're walking around. This is our incarnation. And we're walking around with this, hurt. this cloud of triangles trying to function in the world. And so, so the business of what you said about how do I start to work on this is we start to find the triangles. They're right there. I, we just have to notice them and detriangling. And so that's where, that's where the technology comes in. That's where we can either come at it from the perspective of the beliefs and the actions, which is very simply to look at the consequences, the full consequence of that action to see how we are causing damage to ourselves. We can come at it through the emotional side and the physical sensation and just simply breathe into that physical sensation. That's the technology of emotional science we created. And then we can do it from the energetic side, which is Audrey's um, got the download for a new chakra system for humanity that allows one to completely re-regulate our emotional field and tap in the high vibrational energy on the planet right now to have rapid healing. And so it's to, to access that high vibrational energy that's here and breathe in through our whole emotional field to purify it. So there's this energy that allows the change to happen quickly that allows that it doesn't get rid of the triangles, but it gives the energy there. So the triangles can dissolve very, very quickly. And so that that's really our, our approach of, of how to help people detriangle and get rid of all this crap that we've accumulated in our lives. So we can actually move and be free. Right. Our, mm. our understanding is that, um, that this point in time for the the history of humanity is is actually a time of great evolution and so not only do we have access to high vibrational energy and there's all kinds of indigenous cultures around the world have sp spoke about this um but we have access to this high vibrational energy that the the vibration is so high the the vibration the the waves and the frequency is moving so fast it almost seems like it's still and that acts as like a tuning fork to shift these lower vibrational frequencies or the egoic consciousness that's happening so we're talking about this isn't talk therapy it's not therapy at all but we're looking at a, a new perspective of how to deal with the emotional kind of hijacking or the wounding and the pain and suffering that's happening throughout our lives. And it's, it's not about going back into trauma. It's not anything like that. It's just saying, Hey, this is what's going on and I want to change it. And, and basically we're, what we're doing is we're just being aware of it so deep in our awareness and breathing at the same time into what's going on, the physical sensations in our body. We're using energetic frequencies that are a very high vibration to move that lower vibration and to transmute that lower vibration into high vibrational energy. And it's instantaneous. It doesn't take time. It could be, it's, 
the only thing that determines is faster, slow, um, of, of the process is your own belief system and your own perception and your own choice and desire. So again, that's, uh, that's like putting everything back on the, on, on the responsibility of you choosing for yourself, how are you going to show up moment to moment? Mm. And the, the time of the guru is over. The time of the teacher is over. It's time for self mastery. It's really time to, time to take the knowledge, get the tools and the techniques and have the ability to have self mastery moment to moment. That's really our, our passion. Wow. And, and, and as, as you say that, I'm at once ins- inspired and sort of somewhat frustrated, right? Because my own experience with dealing with my own triangles as it, is that it has been laborious and it has been slow and it has been a lot of allowing myself to, to re-presence the traumas and, and do the healing work and get to the tears and so on. But it's taken time. I mean, I've probably been in, you know, in healing for like over a decade. So the thought Excuse of doing me. it instantaneously, I'm like, wow, but does, does that mean I've like, could have done this a lot quicker? I suppose that's what comes up. Okay. So, so, um, as I said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a systems integrator. I'm an innovator. I take ideas and I make them better and make them more practical. That's, that's what the whole book leading beyond change is about how to actually create culture change. And it's taking all these ideas that have been out there and then turning the knob up to 11. So they actually turn on and fully work. So coming back to your question here, the technology for rapid evolution has not been on this planet, right? So what happens is people go to India or people go to this person saying this thing or, you know, jump in the vortex, right? Let's take, let's take that example. You jump in the vortex, you know, hold, you know, hold in your mind the desired state of the future you want to create to manifest, right? Everybody wants to manifest, right? Well, it's true, but that's not the whole truth. The whole truth is you're doing that, but you got all these freaking triangles on you. Mm. So you're actually manifesting all these triangles on you, like, which is in your subconscious, right? So you, the fact that your little tiny part of your brain going, Ooh, I want to do this. Yeah. It's not going to change what you're actually manifesting unless you actually clear out all the negative beliefs and the low vibrational energy. That's what we're manifesting. We're manifesting our incarnation and all these triangles that are accumulated onto it. So, so that's an example of how we've had partial information. And so that's what, that's what, that's what I've done. That's what I'm saying. Like the, the whole work of leading beyond change was just a, a side effect of me trying to be successful as a consultant and a trainer, helping an organizations change. We figured out this whole system of, of how to explain to other people how to do that. Similarly for me to figure out my own journey, my own journey of healing, my own journey of how do I really live, live in a, in a, in a state of, of peace where I can create what I want to create and manifest what I want to manifest. It's just created this, this whole technology system of, of understanding the human physiology and how it functions and, and how do we actually start to navigate that very, very rapidly to create a shift in how we are. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's where, we're, that's where we're stuck right now because we, we've been teaching this in, in our advanced uh, Academy of Leadership Mastery or Jedi school and we're at this place of looking at how do we Episode offer this? Five. Yeah. And, and, and well, how do we, how do we start to offer this as just, you know, level one courses and how do we bring our work out to the world? And so that's our, that's our big, uh, I could say, called, uh, internal design challenge of, of having a, a website that reflects who we are and offering those, this information right to people out of the gate. Right. It's, it's because we live the teaching. 
And so as we go deeper and evolve, like this work is an evolution of six years. And and then me separate prior to that and Michael separate prior to that, and then coming together and, and working everything that we've done is because we've gone through a process. It's like we're we're test yeah. subjects. It's we like we're running an experiment dummies. on myself. This is actually this is what I do, right? Yes. I go, oh, I got this insight, and I tried it on myself. It worked really well. And uh, then Audrey goes and tries it. Then we try it in our students, right? Or we're or we're designing <laughs> what uh, Cal two, and I'm like, it needs something. It needs something. It needs a bigger process to really unblock people because if we're not giving you a transformation in our course, then we're not doing the job. You know, all the talk and all the lectures is just for your mind and your ego to think you're getting something. But the reality is, is that you need the process to unlock your potential and and to shift your consciousness. And that's really, truly what we're doing. So, so we're designing a course and I was like, oh my God, this course is so amazing, so amazing, but it's missing something. It's missing that big thing. And then Michael's like, I got it. And then I'm like, okay, try it on me. And, and, and really, wow, that was, that was, it was so powerful. The leadership unlock process. That was the a good leadership one. unlock process. Yes. Yeah, I love and, that anyway, one. just, just to add to what Audrey said, we need, we need those moments where somebody else helps us go the, make that shift that they've been on and done before. And we also need the day-to-day moment-to-moment tools. So it's like the doing and the being like, we need both mm-hmm. elements and that's that's what I think has been missing because a lot of people can go to a you know Vipassana retreat or whatever they come back to their regular world and then it's a shit show within twenty four hours right yeah. because they don't have the tools to use on a daily basis to orient and to stabilize their way of functioning. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's what I I love about our work is that um, for me I'm I'm very etheric and very um, I can get into a really high state and I love to meditate and but when I show up in my daily life it's much more difficult for me to function where um, Michael has that structural functioning piece and then not really connected to that energetic or the metaphysical piece and so so he's right now, and this, I think this is our struggle is that he's really loves the transformational part of it and talking about the ego and consciousness. And I'm so tired of that. And I'm like, no, I want to go into an organization and I want to transform an organization. I want to take a, an organization and move it from a traditional way of, of functioning to an evolutionary way of functioning. And that that's my passion. And so it's like, I'm, I'm more like, I want the structures. I want the processes. I want everybody to know that we're giving the how to, because without, you know, you can do like Michael said, you could do all the meditation you want. You can do all that, that growth, the personal growth and transformation piece. But when you get into your daily life and you don't know how to function, from that higher state of consciousness, that transformed way of being, it all starts to fold back on itself. And it's in, and right now how it's going on the planet is like a make or break situation. And, and if you think about humanity, 
we've been functioning like this for 6,000 years. We've been at war with each other. We've been at war within our own selves. And I think it's time to change that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but I, I'm still like super intrigued. Like I believe it. I think it is time to change that. And I think we are at war with ourselves. But if you've got this technology that allows for this instantaneous shift, right? That's an instantaneous, are you saying like shift of these triangles, right? I can identify, I can engage this in technology and poof, right? I mean, doesn't that put like an entire industry of therapists out of business, you know, an entire industry of like retreat, um, ret- retreat businesses, you know, out of existence. It, it sounds like a really, you know, important uh, claim you're making here. I just want to sort of check I've got it. You've got it. And, and generally, and what if it and, does. And, and just mean, to be clear, it does, but it's well, like- no, no, ho, ho, hold on. Well, just to be clear, some people are at the stage in their journey where they do need, you know, um, solution based therapy and they need eight sessions and to help them start orienting and stabilizing. And that's very, very valuable for a lot of people. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ditching that. Long term talk therapy, I mean, that's well known not to work. But people still need retreat spaces where they can go and they can have an, a, like a genuine experience where they have a reset of their vagus nerve, their, you know, their fight or flight system, you know, through, through sound healing or breath work or something like that, or, or they're sitting with somebody who's in a, a, a high vibrational state and advanced state of consciousness, and they're in that field. And that's certainly very, very valuable because in our day-to-day life, we're so stressed out. So we need those spaces. And that's what we do for our deeper work is we have people here uh, residentially for five days in a row so that they're they're taken out of their regular life and we actually have an environment where we can actually where they actually have space and time to heal and i like to call it like this it's like well imagine you're a car and the transmission in your car is not working very well what do you have to do to fix the transmission you take it in the shop you take the whole transmission it's a huge piece of equipment out you put it on a table you take it apart it's got thousands of pieces you find the parts that are broken and replace them and then you put it all back together again. You put it back in the car and you put the car back on the road. That's what we do with our automobiles. We deserve to have the time and space to do that with ourselves. But then how does that marry with, with you saying that you can do these things instantaneously, right? Because what you've got described so, there is an instantaneous shift okay. of the car, right? So, From so, one so, pole to another. I, I, so I can. I can. I, I'm an expert you know, practitioner. For people who are starting on the journey, how big a triangle can they deal with? They can deal with the category one triangles instantaneously and maybe the category two. And then they they need more training and support to learn the more advanced tools to get the level three and four triangles. But the level eight triangles, like why why wait, you know, 10 years until you've got enough mastery or five years to get under mastery the tool to deal with that level of challenge? Why not get a dealt the big ones dealt with now and get mm-hmm. help? That's what that's what we do is we get help on the journey. Help from each right. other, help from some of our teachers, right? To to get to get this clearing of of space so that we're you know we're we're living more of the truth of who we're meant to be. Mm. And in the in the bigger frame is that our daily lives have not put us in the position of being able to hold that high vibrational energy for very long. So you need the tools and the techniques. Like we stop on a daily, daily, four times, five times, 10 times, 20 times, whatever it takes 
when our, our state or our vibrational frequency is lowered. So every time somebody walks onto our property, we're impacted. Every email we get, we're impacted. Every interaction that we have with each other is impacted. Everything is impacted. And to be very, very clear, enlightenment is happening. There is nothing that you can do. You could meditate forever. You can eat raw foods forever. You can do yoga forever. You can learn tech tools and techniques forever, but it is actually a happening. It's a spontaneous happening. And the journey right now on the planet is that the, that enlightened states of consciousness, that shift in consciousness um, to different perceptions, beliefs, behaviors, conditioning, all of that is um, the way I'm experiencing it is it's you have that awakening. It's like you go up and then you come back down and you go up mm. and you come back down. So it's mm. like the, there's like a, a, an integration that happens because we right now are learning how to do this in our physical bodies in relationship with other people. And their and, vibrational states. And mm. right. And it's like there's a there's a there's a thing that's happening that is allowing us to have this evolution slowly and consciously. And so that instantaneous is actually possible. I've experienced it numerous times. But right now they're few and far between. And they're okay. getting closer and closer and closer as we, as a collective, change our state and become more aware and intentionally, you know, intentionally kind of working towards this and understanding that it's possible. And I think that our, our belief systems have told us that it's not possible and that you know, people have been wanting peace on the planet for so long and blah, 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 blah. And there's so much. And, and, um, and it's also being very careful. Like, what are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What, what is impacting your perceptions and your behaviors and your beliefs? And I'll just say, if you notice that there's any sort of conflict in anything that you're listening to music or people, um, or if there's any situation going on in your environment where there is conflict or separation, that is not a high vibrational state. And so we're, we're kind of conditioned to overlook these things. And it's very, very subtle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the expression that comes to mind from, from what you were talking about earlier about how these enlightenment is happening is that, um, enlightenment is accidental it's just if we do spiritual practices we become more accident prone right like yeah very good yeah 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 and then people are having these awakenings and they're not you know it's spontaneous and then you know society right now and the medical system doesn't know how to doesn't know how to handle it at one time you were taken to the healer and the tribe and 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 they were able to, to support and, and help you and that we don't have that, that knowledge anymore. So, 
Yeah. Right. So, and we're, so we're trying yeah. to get back there. Right. So you're saying that these that this healing can be instantaneous. These shift can be, in, but but you've got to be in the right space. It can't just sort of yeah. will it at a whim, right? It, it, you've got to work so on here's the, environment. the most the most more accurate like- description is, and this has been my experience as a scientist learning these tools, developing these tools, is that. Um, it's like we're dealing with a triangle that's a certain level of intensity. And depending on our level of tooling, they, they will dissolve. And it, it does take time. It might take it might take 10 seconds. It might take a minute. It might take 10 minutes. It might take an hour. But some of that requires conscious awareness and attention. Some of it is an automatic process because our bodies are actually designed to automatically heal. So it's not usually it's not an instantaneous process. Oh, I'm aware of it. And boom, it's gone. It's like that's that's not I haven't ever experienced that. Um, so much well a couple of experience of that usually it's just this choice this consistent choice of awareness will dissolve these triangles when we stop Mm -hmm. resisting stop fighting stop struggling it which is a whole other understanding in in itself let's go back to manifesting for a moment um because i had to leave the room for a second um when we have a desire this is um i i okay um when we have a desire, I was trying to figure out if I was going to mention a certain teaching or not, but I'm not going to do that. Um, when we have a desire, it's not the desire that's bad. And we've been told or taught, you know, having, you know, having desires is not really a, a good thing, you know, all kinds of things like that. Um, but when we have this desire, it's not the desire that's bad it's not getting the desire that causes the pain and suffering yet what what is not taught is that when we have a desire what's underneath the desire that's actually creating that desire and when i've looked deeply at my desires what i find is that there is the root of that desire is always based in survival And that comes in with fear. It comes in with trying to to exist. And so it's the thing underneath that desire, that that survival piece, the fear, the the anxiety, the worry, the unworthiness, all these things that are sitting there in that trying to survive that is actually blocking the desire to manifest. And so what we found in our work is that when we go to the root of that desire, like let's say you want your team to perform better than what it's doing. Think about why. Why do you want that? Like first, what's going on in your body? Like is there, you know, all of a sudden there's like tightness going on. There's tension. There's there's anxiety, there's maybe frustration or anger. But if you go deeper, what's going on? Well, it's, you know, as coaches, as consultants, as leaders, we, that's our job. Our job is to get this organization to perform. And we're kind of stuck because it's outside of ourselves. So there's, survival mechanisms are kicking in because now we'll lose our job. We won't have any money to pay our bills and take care of our families. 
Like there's all this fear that's wrapped up into wanting to shift your organization into a high-performing organization. So what we're what we what we do is say, hey, let's look at what that does, what's underneath the desire, what's pushing that agenda that you're having, and let's clear that up so it's no longer in the way. Because to manifest in this universe, if you're doing any type of pushing, which means affirmations are pushing, desire actually ends up pushing, agenda pushing, um, achieving, having goals, that's all pushing. And it stops the flow. And then it actually does the opposite of what you want. And then you have the pain and suffering. So we're looking at, let's clear the stuff underneath. Let's just be aware. Oh, wow. Yeah, my survival, my survival instincts are kicking in. And those instincts are not bad. They're part of, our, they're part of the makeup of who we are. But just noticing. And through that awareness and maybe even going deeper and seeing the impact and the consequences of that, it begins to uh, disempower and dismantle that structure that's in us, that triangle. Mm. And it frees us ourselves up in a way that that's no longer the driving force that's causing the block in our system. and. It's almost counterintuitive because we have not been taught how to, how to, you know, we're be, we've been taught to make things happen, to drive change, to achieve our goals. And it's this push pushing. forward, mm-hmm. drive. And, and, and really we've been raised in a command and control habit. And so this is the very thing that we're bringing people into awareness of and then giving them the tools and the techniques to actually shift that. And then from that place, the tools and the techniques, the structures and the processes they need to transform their whole way of being, which actually ends up transforming their whole environment. Mm. Work family relationships yeah life yeah universe, society so i'm curious now then so if, if somebody does this work they 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 look underneath the underneath the underneath right and they get to okay this is all about me and in survival uh and that's driving this desire am i then left without the desire <laughs> there, no. there, there's a really beautiful description um that i heard which is that it's wonderful to feel attraction and joy and excitement about the outcome, but not like a tight attachment to it. And it's it's the it's the triangle that creates the attachment and the suffering right. and the drama, right? Right? Like, oh, it'd be great if I win a million dollars. But it's like, okay, but I gotta, I gotta but it was when when it becomes like oh like a desperation and a contraction. Like, so it's really, really simple to check what's going on with you. When you think about something. Mm that you want to achieve is your body just open and expansive and like, it feels like there's uplifting or is it contracting? And it's, right. and this is where awareness comes in. It's like, Oh, oh, well, it feels kind of open, but then there's this contraction right here in my body. And that's, that's, that's telling you where zeroing in where the triangles are. 
You can do it. You can just mm-hmm. think about something and you know, feel what's happening in your body. Got it. So, so it's the context for the desire that's, that's important here. Is it? Is, yeah. So nature is always improving itself. And naturally, we want to be in the state of peace and harmony. And naturally, from that space, we want to create. We're all part of the nature of creative intelligence. And, um, and just P.S., by the way, um, I am studying transcendental meditation right now. So this is like a big thing in their, in their, um, in their world. So, um, you know, it's, it's the source of creation of, of the universe that we exist in, that we are part of, which is always in creation mode and wanting to perfect itself. And, and so if that's our nature, then desire is a beautiful thing. Creating is a beautiful thing. Interacting and relating with each other is a beautiful thing. Like from those spaces, if we're in that, that there's no conflict and there's peace and there's harmony and there's ideas and innovation that comes from that, that space, we're that from there, we're solving the, the problems of pollution and war and poverty and all, and, and all of these things. Raising amazing kids. Yeah. But, but it's very, you know, right now it's, I think it's first shift the consciousness of humanity, then we can deal with the problems. Otherwise there's, we're just sitting in a, in a layer of, of muck that, that won't, that won't be the, the environmental, um, needs or like what we need for the environment to, to grow these beautiful seeds. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It reminds me of a, you, you said you're into raw foods. Uh, you know, D- David Wolf. Yes. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. been on the podcast and he, he's got a oh, lot. Awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he was, uh, yeah. I, I challenged him once at a talk. I was like, you know, he, he was talking about, you know, all these raw foods, but they had to be flown across the world. And, and, uh, you know, to, you can't have your coconut juice in, you know, New York without, you know, an, an environmental impact. And he said, uh, you know, that we've got to fix the environmentalists before we worry about the environment. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. David Wolf is an old timer for sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll just share some really like small sound bites of, like really inviting people to a, a really a fundamentally different way of looking at reality, which is we know this truth. You can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. And yet we don't look inward. We don't invest the time in ourselves to really, and you know, Mahatma Gandhi said it, be the change you want to see in the world. Like we, we already have the script. Yogananda said only a reformed person can reform the world. So when we start to just be really honest with ourselves and be truthful with ourselves, say, look, I want to reform the world. Jesus said I, the kingdom of heaven lies yeah. within. <laughs> anyway, but I, I want to reform the world. I want to change the world. I want to make the world a better place. Ah, I can't change anyone else. I can only change myself. Aha. I need to be the change that I want to see in the world. Okay. Am I ready to roll up my sleeves and do that finally? Or am I going to keep mm. on staying in my layers of self-deception and everything's okay? And I'm, I'm func- I mean, the lie is I'm functioning good enough. I'm good enough now. But if you really want to create a different outcome, 
we need to function like a different kind of human being. If we really want to create a, an extraordinary workplace or an extraordinary family, we need to show up like an extraordinary parent. Otherwise, we're just carrying what our parents gave us. We're carrying what our society gave us. All these triangles that we didn't choose. That's our Mario Kart incarnation. We got these ones in this life. But do we want to take responsibility and upgrade our vehicle? Mm. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, Beautifully said. Harder to do. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, how do you... Starts with choice. Choice. I, I'm, I'm curious now. So when you're, you're seeking to sell this to an organization, right? This perspective. That's pushing. We don't sell. That's why we don't sell. I realized the trap I'd set for myself as soon as I finished the sentence. Um, when, when you're engaging with... Uh, or leaders of organizations, um, I guess, how do you invite them into this perspective that okay, it starts a, with you? Nobody wants this. Well, let's actually, <laughs> let's start, let's start with your first question is top leadership organizations go last. Right. Because they're the most secure. They have the least need to change. What we found is people lower down the hierarchy, managers, team leads, directors, vice presidents, they're more open to change because they're struggling because they're caught in this, these bullshit organizations that we're in. They are suffering. They're staying awake at night. They're, they're stressed out about how to deal with their crazy boss and get their disengaged people to function and, you know, and, 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 and deliver on the results. And, and they're stressed out. And they're the ones who are like, okay, you know what? I got to do something different. I, you know, this is not working for me. I'm ready to make a shift. And so that's where we meet them. It's not with like, okay, you got to change yourself. It's like, hey, here's some easy stuff you can start to do to notice that you're contributing and creating damage for yourself. Your people who are not engaged and are not speaking up at meetings, you are the one creating the situation. This is how you're doing it. This is what to do differently to give them the baby script so they can start to say, oh yeah, it is me. When I change what I do, I get a different outcome. And they start to learn the truth of reality, which is when I change what I do, I get a different outcome around me. And they start to realize the truth of you know this, this quote we use, which is the field determines the particle. When we show up differently, and have a different field of energy around us, the particles around us, those people we interact with, will respond differently. We can't make them change, but when we start vibrating differently, we start interacting differently, they will change around us. And we start to witness this working in our own life. We run our own experiments. We understand this truth. Then we're ready to do more. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're starting by inviting people to look at how they could give themselves less stress, right? I'll have a yeah, list. We, yeah. we tell people, we go, can they come to trainings? Everything here is optional. Mm. You're an adult. You don't have to believe us. It's your, you make up your own mind of what you want to believe. Like, it, it, and, 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 you know, and it's so refreshing because most times, you know, that's not how we treat human beings. We do not give people freedom. And when we start to operate in a different way to actually create a space where people feel psychologically safe, where they're, 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 um, soul. Yeah. Their sympathetic nervous system starts to come down, calm down and relax, and they can actually start to learn and open up. Right. So the practical mm -hmm. aspects of this are put out the fires first, get the work off the table, create a stable or stabilize your environment first with things like psychological safety and really listening to what's going on within your organization. 
And when you do that, and we always say that every organization is different. So we can't give you this cookie cutter, you know, prescription. We can only, we can only point you in the direction of what to do first and how to listen to your organization and stop causing the damage. And from that place, you'll, with the, the, with the, um, the frameworks and the teaching and the tools that we have, it's like, then you can use your education. You can use your experience that you've had as a leader working within this organization and all the other experiences that you have to make the right decisions to pick and choose the right moves to make from that place. And, and so, so I think people are used to, they want to be told what to do. They want some cookie cutter framework. We were more like an unframework and it's called the self framework for a reason. Yeah. The shift (laughs) three, one, four evolutionary leadership framework, otherwise known as the self. Yeah. And, but we're taking, we're, we're, we're applying these universal principles and the laws of organizational dynamics, um, so that you can implement these concepts in the space of your organization, your workplace in particular, although these things can be applied in your personal life as well, because how you show up in one place is how you show up in another place. So, um, you know, we're, we try, we're, our passion is that this is doable. Our passion is that we want to impact and create sustainable change, not some fast paced, you know, kind of, uh, you know, buy this framework and do this thing and you'll be fine. And it's like, what we're seeing is that there are all these frameworks to work differently in organizations and nobody's receiving the benefits from them. And so what Michael has been advocating, and then when we got together, we've both been advocating is that you've made these investments in these frameworks and you don't want to lose your hundred million dollar investment that you just you know, implemented across the entire organization. But we are, our unframework is that we're underneath, we're the foundation in which all frameworks can receive, or you could realize the benefit from all of these frameworks, because we're going down to the fundamental layer of the people, because your people are the ones that are going to be implementing these frameworks. So how are the people showing up? How are they self-aware? And then where are they able to see within the organization moment to moment, the impacts of, of what's going on in the environment and how can they shift and change and mold the organization into high performing while keeping all the people happy? You know, it's like, it's, there's, it's so there's, we do a a piece on navigating complexity. And for a long time, I was like, this is really important. Navigating complexity is super important. David Snowden had like a brilliant idea. Um, and, and, you know, 
what we've done is we've taken that framework and we've pulled it back and we've really started to look at what's going on with the people within, within this VUCA environment that we're in and how do we, how do we show up in that complex environment and, and make the right choices. And there's a lot of things that you need to see. And I think that's, what's so brilliant about Michael is that he's able to unpack a lot of these different concepts. We take them apart, like the transmission, we take them apart because you need to have awareness at each place within those, those concepts to understand how are people reacting and how are people behaving within, within those, those concepts? So for instance, navigating complexity, well, how do you navigate complexity when you have no psychological safety? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't do experiments, right? If it's not safe to fail. (laughs) No. And even, you know, we talk about the word failure, even the word failure, that freaks out the whole entire, the board, <laughs> you know, the stakeholders, the, the, all the leadership, you know, safe to fail. Oh my God, you're already talking about failure. You haven't even started. Well, of course, nobody's going to like that. You know, so even changing that word, um, safe to try, mm. um, you know, being able to run a, an experiment and learn from it. Take the yeah. word failure out because it has immediate connotations and it'll block you immediately from, from being able to achieve anything. And I can see how that comes from the insight we started, started the show with, that everybody has their you know, sympathetic nervous system up to 10, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because so, so somatically, if you're, if you're saying fail, then you're going to fail. Hmm. Did I say that right? Well, you're going to activate the, the sympathetic nervous system even more, and it's going to become yeah. even more triggered and tight, and the blood supply nobody, the frontal cortex will drop off. Or... And yeah. 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 So, you know, let's, let's try this experiment and see what we can learn. Yeah. Simple, wow. simple trick. Stop failing fast and switch to learn fast. Learn fast. Mm. Learn fast. We have an and environment where we fast. learn. Let's just learn. What do we, what, what yeah, can we yeah. learn from this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, know that. And we're the ones creating our environment. So as a leader, we're 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 building the brilliance and intelligence of everybody that that is on our team. That's what a leader does. We're holding the system. But because we're the ones that are holding the system, it's our energetic imprint that is actually going to go into the system. So remember I said the toxicity of your organization will bleed and leak out. And that's what you will deliver. You will deliver the toxicity. Yeah. Quite literally in some products, right? Yeah. Yeah. You ship your team. Yeah. Yeah. Your team creates the products and services that your organization is offering. And if your team is toxic, that's what you'll be shipping. And your customers will feel it. They might not know what's going on, but they will feel it. I think uh, the Dalai Lama used to pick who made his food and, um, you know, because he understood the impact of, of 
what he was eating. You know, if, if the food, I, I, there's a story somewhere about somebody, uh, a murderer making. No, that was, that was Gandhi. Was Gandhi, Gandhi was in prison yeah. um, because he was, you know, peacefully trying to liberate India from the British. And uh, he, he, he ate some food and he was like, Having murderous having murderous thoughts. He, having murderous thoughts. He, he goes, you know, who cooks for the suit? Goes, oh, so and so in the kitchen. They're a murderer. And he goes, oh, okay, now I now I know where it's coming from. Yeah. So right. so we 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 are we're unconscious of the impact that we all have on each other. And and I feel like this is really really important. And you know, going back to to leaders, people that create. Uh, product or services and they and they birth an organization are usually functioning at a very different level of consciousness because they could manifest this you know they've taken this idea and they've actually brought it into the world um, but things always get hijacked hmm. And, and not everybody that invents is, or brings something out into the world is like this high conscious being, but I can, I can make a generalization here to say that if you are, have this brilliant idea and you could manifest it out into the world, then there's something very, very different about who you are and how you're functioning. And it's not, it's never the intention of a leader or, uh, or, um, an owner of an organization to, to make things worse or to oppress people or to, to, to treat, you know, people in an unhealthy way. Um, what happens is, is that the system becomes hijacked and, uh, the more people that there are in the organization, the more you think that you need processes and structures and rules and the more rules that there are, the more people that you need to enforce those rules. Everybody is coming from this traditional mindset. So they're in command and control because they don't un know any other way of functioning. And it just gets repeated down throughout the organization. And soon enough, you have 300 people and then you have a thousand people and then you have 10,000 people and nobody's functioning at their potential. Mm. And I don't think it's any um, founder's intention for that to happen. It's just an accidental, you know, what do you say? It's a, a non... Uh, no, it's, it's, it's just how our societies function. It's not anyone's fault. It's a non-personal, yes. transgenerational problem, right? Yes. You know, it get passed down to our, you know, every, everyone around us. Yeah, we're just stuck in it, and so this is what we're trying to do. Is like, hey, everyone, like, wake up, yeah. wake up. Yeah, yes, yes. We're not, we're, we're not woke people. Yeah, sorry. There, there's a very. Uh, anyway, I don't know if that I has some other. I, I know. Do I, not I'm not say that. I, anyway, but it's like waking up to the truth, the reality of what's going on within our own physiology, our own nervous system. How what what impact our behaviors are having to to make a different choice. Yeah. Awake yeah. people, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and just as you was describing, describing there, Audrey, about this, this sort, of, this tendency of organizations to go in that direction. Are you familiar with Jerry Pornell's Iron Law of bureaucracy? Right, that 
whenever you start a bureaucracy, eventually it becomes dominant in yeah, the organization. Yeah, no, I don't read anything. Yeah, yeah. and it, and, it, and, it serve, and the bureaucracy ends up serving its own needs and not the purpose of the original organization. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, it gets lost. It always yeah. gets lost in translation. Like, look at Google right now. You know, Google used to be very, very people centric and they had a, an amazing culture and then leadership changed. I didn't even know leadership changed until um, I was just looking on the in the career page and all of a sudden it was they had a human resources department. And I said, wait a minute, why does Google have a human resources department? I thought they were like uh, people and Googlers like at, at the department, the name changed. Okay. And that's when I found out that the leadership changed because we don't watch the news and and we don't keep up with like current, Mm. current events like that. And, 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 and so I just thought that that was really interesting. And what we've been talking about and talking to is, is the strength of the leadership and, and how the leadership is the one that's holding the transmission of the organization and really, really important to be aware of yeah. that. And, and, you know, the truth is every time you bring someone to an organization, you're bringing them at their level of consciousness. Yeah. And so if they're a manager, they're going to take their department and it'll operate at their level of consciousness. Right. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, so, so that's one aspect. The other aspect is as a reflection of that, they're used to these traditional ways of working. So they just bring those in as well. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you go to like a company like Semco, you know, Ricardo Samler was so frustrated that they couldn't hire people who could show up like responsible adults who take responsibility for themselves, um, that he started a, a school for kids, right? And that's the, the situation we're in that, you know, when we're, if we're, you know, to go back to why is this happening, we're trying to grow these companies and, you know, we're staffing from this, this world of, of people who show up in certain ways. Unless you're a very rare company, like, you know, go to another case study of, of Valve. They, they said hiring was the most important thing in the universe. And they only hired people who are extraordinary self capable, capable of self-leadership and self-responsibility. And so unless we're super selective in the people, I mean, and you know, it, you know, the people you hired determines the culture of your company. The people on your board, the stakeholders, the all, everything, everything makes a difference. Everybody makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, one of the sometimes the feedback I get on this podcast is that Richard, oh, you go to all too fluffy, and you never give us anything practical. So um, let's just think about if we were to take. Let's just imagine this manager who's sort of stuck in the in the organisation, and you know, is feeling the stresses of it all. If you were to, and I know there's a ton of things that you you offer in in this book, Leading Beyond Change. If there were, say, like three that you would pick that you might offer somebody in that situation who's, who's, who's feeling perhaps a little overwhelmed um, for them to, to experiment with, what might they be? I'll say the first thing and then you can, you can go. I, the very, very first thing is to take a moment for contemplating. How frustrated are you? How much do you not believe that things can change? I think that that in itself, just noticing, wow, I'm really, I'm really internally, I'm really stuck here. And just sitting with that for a while. Um, The next one, I I think that I'll 
becoming very honest with yourself. Be very honest with yourself of how much do you actually really want things to change? And then look right. at how, you know, let's say over the last year, how much have you actually done to change how you are functioning as a human being, as a leader? Like, like what is your level of investment in your capability, your functioning, whether it's, you know, clearing out the triangles or whatever, whatever model it is, but how much effort have you actually put in and be really honest with yourself that you really have not been valuing making a difference and changing what's happening around you because you haven't been putting that energy into changing how you show up. Okay. Now practicals, other practical stuff. Well, that is practical because, because without, without that starting place, well, so I'll, I'll go back. So, so just very practically, the book leading beyond change is designed to shift your consciousness. There's every pattern has a set of exercises you can go through that'll help you reflect on traditional ways of working that are causing damage. And this is like, this is only for people who want to be more successful. That's what it's designed for to help you look at what anti-pattern you might be using that's causing damage where you are getting in your own way and how to start operating in a different way. So that would be a very, very practical. Like how to build culture bubbles. It has decision-making. It has super practical stuff. It's like how to do one-on-ones with your, with your team in different employee engagement models, like how to solve problems from the aspect of not just tactics and strategy, but looking at the culture, which is the root cause. So it's like how to solve problems from this, this model. Um, Okay. I I got another one. So I'll give you another really very practical one. Every place you want to achieve something and make something happen, just take time to listen and know what other people think should happen instead of what you think. Mm, I like that. Yeah. This is really simple because you'll see how addicted you are to your own version That's of reality amazing. that actually ignores everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a lot of damage. What about a high performance meeting protocol? That's a good practical. Oh, yeah. Another good one is in meetings, when you want to solve a problem and you want to say, hey, guys, I think we should do this. What do you think? Don't, don't do that. Instead, go, hey, we want to solve this problem. What are people's ideas? Everyone share. Everyone else will listen. At the end, we'll have a discussion, conversation, and you share your ideas and your brilliant idea last to give other yeah, people I, a chance to contribute and be leaders and develop. Yeah, it's one of the things I highlighted in the book, actually. Reverse the order of who, who shares first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot about decision-making and invisible fences. And it, it's really a, a practical guidebook. Like uh, we have one, one of our um, students, he's got tabs throughout the whole entire book and he just has the book with him at all times. It's a, it's a brilliant, we have a photo of it and he's, he goes, oh, it's a buy Bible. He goes, oh, but I'm not going to call it a Bible, (laughs) but but that's what it is. It's like, Hey, this is how the universe works. And you, we, we have a choice. We can go into traditional route and cause damage. We go into evolutionary route and create more of the outcomes we want. And if mm-hmm. you go to our website, shift314.com, um, we have Leading Beyond Change. We have um, three free chapters. So you don't have to buy the whole book. You could just download the chapters and you can see if it's of value. Because I think the biggest thing that we'll, we'll, we can even end with, maybe if this is the end, is that do not believe a word that we're saying. Because what we say doesn't matter. 
You can read a million books and what those books say doesn't really matter. It's what your own experience, you know, you can have the knowledge, but if you don't have the experience, then that knowledge is not yours. It's somebody else's. So it's really taking that knowledge and and bringing it into experience where it then becomes your wisdom. Try it out, run the experiment, make it your reality. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. A call to experimentation. Um, I love it. I suppose when you referenced Gandhi, that's where he started, right? I think he, he had this very experimental mindset. He started experimenting with food and you know, going vegetarian. And, yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Okay. Sorry, go on. You're going to say, Audrey? No, I, I was. I was just going to. My insight with Gandhi is the way he came up with that sentence: "Be the change you want to see in the world." is because he realized if he wanted peace on the planet, he had to resolve the conflict within his own being. And from that, he was able to have extraordinary, you know, experience extraordinary feats of days and days and days, I think months of not eating. Like he developed extraordinary abilities within his physiology and in his consciousness. So be the change came from that personal experience to say, it's, it's not just a writing on the wall. It's like, no, you actually have to be that thing that you want to see in the rest mm. of your environment. Yeah. I think a lot of people are familiar with it, but there's that, that situation where the mother comes to him and says, Hey, how do I get my kid off sweets? And he says, go away, come mm -hmm. back in a week. And then she comes back and she says, okay, well, why did you I have to go? Well, I had to stop eating my sugar myself yeah. before I could advise you on that, on this. Yeah. Great. Um, all right. Well, thanks once again. We'll put, um, we'll put, we'll put the link to the book leading beyond change in, in the notes. And I, I do concur that this is full of, of practical, practical advice. Um, and yeah, it's, not uh, beautifully practical. It. it's not worth it. Beautifully illustrated. Uh, anything else? Uh, where where else would you point people if they want to uh, get more of from the Sahotas? Emotionalscience.com. Right. Uh, and, and that has a beautiful little video and also access to the book. And that book also comes with a free download of a, uh, the Get Clear Technique which is a 10 minute technique that you use moment to moment to actually the, the disturbance that's your inner state, your inner, your inner physical body. It just releases all of that within 10 minutes just by breathing. Great. Like I could use that with my kids sometimes. I'm sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. They'll love it. No, yeah. I meant, I meant for me. And I'm getting yeah. triggered by that. <laughs> they love it when they you use it. it. So Help you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can all stop and do it together and just breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Okay. Well, we'll put, we'll put those links in, into the description uh, for the show. All right. Uh, well, Perfect. I guess it's just time to say goodbye and to close and to thank you both. All right. Thank you so much for Thanks allowing for having us, us to be here. here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused 
coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.